Welcome to Charmed Water. My name's Aaron David, and this is Day of Venus. And uh, I have this book. It's called On the Greatness of Saturn. And it's uh, it looks at things from the Vedic uh, sort of pantheon perspective with the planets. And Venus is known as the uh, the planet of illumination. And uh, I think that's present uh, in the universal like traditions and so last show I uh, ascribed two hexagrams uh, per planet uh, with let's see Mars Mercury uh, Jupiter and Venus is what we did and uh, those correlate to the four uh, directions north, south, west, east, and uh, except you know the the planets, Mercury would be the only one uh, not uh, signifying uh, a cardinal point. Virgo and Gemini are mutable, but we know where Saturn is in the middle of that. Those you know, north, south, west, east, Saturn is represented as Earth in the middle, which is... Therein is Capricorn, the cardinal, the fourth cardinal point. So it's an interesting little kind of, you know, creates that movement. It's not quite in equilibrium, this after-heaven notion. Uh, something a little off that's triggering change. <laughs> uh... So for Day of Venus, uh, we had hexagram 21 and 55, if I'm remembering right. 21 and 55. And so looking at the hexagrams, uh, like beginning with the trigrams, I'm understanding a lot more. Um, In price analysis, you take a price leg and you mark the high, and you mark the low, and then you find uh, the equilibrium, the middle point between those two, and that's a threshold place, and important things happen there. Uh, You know, that's the transitional period, the threshold, where uh, between yin and yang, or between one phase and another phase, Uh, between an accumulation phase and a distribution phase, a yang phase and a yin phase. There's a lot of important stuff. That's the threshold. And so looking at the hexagram, it suddenly dawned on me that this is exactly the same thing I'm looking at. And wow, does, you know, the hexagrams as a divinatory system Oh man, it so matches uh, what is in my head with trading uh, in a way that's just really cool. It makes sense why Anna Cooling, you know, there's a lot of this with trading, but on Anna Cooling's uh, book on uh, volume price analysis, you know, there's a yin yang, and you hear uh, Bill Williams talk about chaos and go on these spiels about chaos, and it's because they know. <laughs> Like they're like surfers, 
they know about this uh, this Dow stuff. Uh, that's what they're dealing in, and that's why it so meshes so well. So, looking at at uh, a hexagram with this threshold place between uh, the third line and the fourth line, there's two trigrams, a top and a bottom. The first line of the hexagram would be the bottom line, the sixth line, the top line, and then so the threshold, the equilibrium is between the third line and the fourth line, and that is where the dynamic is. That's where the important core of information that gives you a narrative, uh, that threshold place. Ugh. I got some coffee. So it's really interesting because the hexagrams we assigned to Venus, so Venus being known as the planet of uh, illumination from Vedic uh, stuff to, we'll see it right here in these two hexagrams. And, uh, you know, that's certainly being the case with my magical career. It all started with Venus. Um, that was the defining initiatory experience that uh, blew my socks off. And uh, so with hexagram 21 and 55, we're dealing with fire and thunder. So with 55, thunder is above fire. With 21, fire is above thunder. So talk about dynamic fire and thunder um, fire is this illuminating element and thunder is this you know rousing action uh, so we'll, we'll we'll read a little bit of uh, those two hexagrams but before I do that I wanted to relate this dream I had years ago and I can't find where I wrote it but it suddenly makes a lot more sense to me before this week I had no context for what I saw in the dream uh, now after looking at these two hexagrams and understanding trigrams a bit more um, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. So the dream was, uh, it took place where I grew up. It's on the top of Summit Street, uh, where my uncle owned a church, his house, two apartments built on the far side of his house. And then on the other side of the church, he had our house, which we rented from him and the house, uh, behind our house, which was on Reed Street. So that entire strip of land lay between Summit Street and Reed Street on top of this hill in Biltmore. And the dream took place right outside of uh, the two apartments and um, kind of a little place in the yard that his garage was at 
and then there was a small hill and it came up to two sheds and then a little walkway and on the other side of the walkway and from the sheds was uh, the two apartments and those two apartments were built on an old swimming pool he had had put in and uh, so there was this kind of uh, chamber, empty, vacuous chamber below the bottom apartment, which was the old swimming pool, which was a bit odd. And there was also an old well he tried to fill in uh, on the front of the bottom apartment. Uh, anyway, in the dream, I was out back, standing kind of at the foot of that little hill. And I was looking up at the sky and uh, there was a cylinder of lightning and it was rolling from one side of the sky to the other side of the sky and each time it would hit a side of the sky uh, things would change around me and what I was seeing around me were people and each time this roll thunderous roll of lightning would reach the far side of the sky, some of the people would disappear entirely. Uh, They would change positions. They would look different. Uh, But it seemed to be, in general, the same people. They were just changing uh, with the cycles of this rolling cylinder of lightning. And the only thing that was not changing was myself and this being that I saw who resembled this kind of like um, definitely not human dwarfish guy who uh, I remember colors of brown kind of his skin his clothes and it seems like he held some kind of Uh, electrical thing that could be used to kind of like uh, get people in line almost like a cattle prod or something and that seemed to be his office like he was just kind of overseeing these people almost as a well he would be pretty cruel shepherd uh, over cattle he just seemed to be emotionless and you know, uh, I would describe him as cruel, not having any emotion, very in, inhuman. So he sees me and he starts walking over to me and he insists on bringing me before what seems to be a local governor who looks human and is very, uh, has a well-trimmed beard, kind of seems kingly and he's seated at this large table and as this being kind of brings me up before him we make eye contact and he recognizes a greater authority in me than he has locally (laughs) and the, the little dwarfish fellow that brought me doesn't know this and I see myself from outside of myself and I see that uh, all of a sudden my clothes have changed and I'm wearing 
royal robes of a king and uh, this recognition between me and this local governor as his eyes kind of grow large as he's recognizing who's approaching him uh, I wake up after that and so like uh that cylinder of lightning that just caused this low, thunderous, constant rumble. It seems to me like that is what time itself sounds like. And it it's kind of like very Stephen Kingish Langoliers. <laughs> it's uh it makes me feel kind of sick to my stomach to think about it. Um But I think with Venus, you know, I don't know what year that dream was exactly. It seems like a long time ago, but I don't know. I need to find out the date and the day. So I'll just read a little bit of the uh, two hexagrams that we assigned to Venus yesterday. So 55, and this is uh, watching me in his book of changes. 55, Fong, overcapacity, guidance. At the time of overabundance, the king enjoys full growth and has no worry, but he should remain properly motivated for expansion and correctly direct his strength. Thus, the great attainment, attainment of fullness can be maintained and enjoyed. In this hexagram, thunder is above fire. When these energies interact, overabundance is expressed. The lower trigram, Li, is an expression of clarity and illumination. The upper trigram, Chin, is an expression of movement and shock. Light illuminates while the power of thunder awakens. A person with power and light can guide others on the right way. So... That is very much how um, I think of Venus as being this uh, bringer of illumination. And therein are all the Luciferian uh, connotations uh, that come from that in the Abrahamic sense. And uh, it's weird and mysterious uh, that all of these worlds, mystical um, templates cross over each other like this. So turning to, uh, I, I, that's all I want to read. There's a lot more there for hexagram 55. Uh, but I want to go now to hexagram 21, which is the other, the second hexagram we assigned to Venus. Uh, she ho Biding through hardship, guidance. Biding through difficulty brings success. It is necessary for one to cut through negative influences with decisiveness. In this hexagram, fire is above thunder. The lines form the image of a mouth which bites through difficulty. 
The top and bottom yang lines are like the upper and lower lips. The yang line within its within is what must be cut through and chewed. The image of biting through represents the process of cutting away an evil force. Thunder is the force of awakening. Fire is the force of clarity and illumination. With inner strength and light, one can bite through the darkness. And in my mind, that very much describes uh, the figure of Venus Calva, or the figure of the scorpion goddess, uh, or the figure of, you know, the warrior goddess who is also the goddess of uh, sexuality and femininity yen uh, uh, yen yang dao uh, that's on a mission and yes Venus Kalva uh, also the name of the Egyptian scorpion goddess uh, eludes my memory right now but her uh, she specifically seems to be who I I think of as that woman that femme fatale <laughs> uh, because I've seen her as multiple times now in dreams with that scorpion on her head uh, I see it as a hairpiece and it's a scorpion hairpiece in her hair. And her hair is black. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's um, what I want to say about that. I will say, uh, otherwise, uh, the ghost box. Uh, I've listened to that. I analyze those things over and over and over. Because we're dealing with you know, ghosts here, spirits, very subtle energies. And so, uh, it takes somebody, uh, hell bent on (laughs) detecting them, uh, to detect them. So what I've been able to draw out of that ghost box, uh, bit that I put on here, um, there are some direct answers and uh, there was a warning of fast death and um, I think blackness was mentioned and uh, this was uh, in conjunction with this very Saturnine female spirit that Kelly saw uh, in the bedroom somebody talking I think somebody's here uh, anyway she she described it to me as the veil um, she could see nothing she actually described it as faceless uh, I didn't get that from her description the first time but she sent me a more detailed description of the spirit and uh, faceless, just blackness there uh, under the veil 
and the only thing coming like out of the blackness was uh, these weird gray teeth and she said the veil went down like uh, pretty much body length uh, and so yeah that describes a Saturn spirit for me and so the ghost box I was kind of directing towards that you know why are you here and uh, warning death uh, and focus that is the third element that I got from that ghost box session uh, an urgency for me to focus and uh, that means uh, something very specific uh, and I'm going to redouble my efforts there to focus um, because you know one thing we know is change is inevitable so you might as well prepare yourself for it until next time